Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to another episode of Opportunity Knocks. I am your host, Dean Miller, and as always, we are here to talk about small business, entrepreneurs, the journey, the successes, the failures. Today, we've got a wonderful guest who encompasses all the things that Opportunity Knocks is all about, and we're going to go through her story, her business journey, uh, her professional career, and some of the crazy ideas that have come up and stemmed from it and where it's taken you so we can talk about the growth, the successes, and in my opinion, most importantly, the failures and what you learn from them. So ladies and gentlemen, without any further ado, the one and only Jessica Dennehy. <laughs> Jessica, thank you so much for joining us today. I greatly appreciate it. Thank you for having me. I'm excited to be here. Yeah, so so Jessica and I connected, as with most of our guests so far, through the wonderful world of Instagram. Uh, she's a business owner. She's an entrepreneur. She's an attorney, Hofstra graduate. Way to go, Nassau County. We keep everything <laughs> local here. Um, started out, we're going to go through your career, but you started out as an attorney. You moved away into the entrepreneur world, and now you're kind of transitioning into a different segment of entrepreneurial spirit, as we like to refer to it. So give us a little insight about, um, before we get into the actual business, let's go back. You, you started in law, you went to law school, you graduated from Hofstra. I graduated from Brooklyn Law. Brooklyn, okay, but you did you did your under, undergrad. undergrad. All right. Well, you're a Hofstra grad in my opinion. Sure, I agree. <laughs> Although my whole family's from Brooklyn, so they would say Brooklyn takes precedence, <laughs> but that's their issue, not mine. Tell me about after after you 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 passed the bar. Where did where did you go practice? What did you do? So I became really interested in business law when I was in law school, and I had a great opportunity to do. Um, some, some work with the New York Stock Exchange as an intern, and they hired me out of law school. So I ended up being a regulatory attorney for them straight out of law school, which was great because they put you right into depositions and trial settings and you learn so much. And I worked there for almost 10 years. I did various things and I was in various offices, but that's where I ended up doing most of my legal work. And then I transitioned into the business world after that. What led you what what led you out of the the world of law into into business? I didn't expect it to take me out of law one hundred percent, but it just developed that way naturally. We just saw a need for something in the area where men can get haircuts uh, in a nice place without women around. So at the time, you know, eight years ago, the the barber industry wasn't as big as it is now. It was very yeah. small. You had like very tiny shops that were built in the 50s or you could go to a woman's salon. And we didn't think that was the right right for men not to have a men's place. Like, So we wanted to develop something where men could feel comfortable. It was a higher end barbershop, but it wasn't a salon. It was for men. We love vintage feel. When I say we, I'm referring to my ex-husband who he and I own the business together and still active business, partners. still active yep. business partners. And, and, yes. and let's just touch it. The name, the name of the, the, the chain of barbershops or, or the, the several barbershops that you own is Mad Men Bar Barbershop. Right. Continue, right. please. Um, so we, we found a space we loved. It was on the corner of Merrick road. And we said, oh, this has great, um, visibility from the street. Let's yep. just do it. And we just kind of went for it. And I still practiced at the exchange for two or three years after that, but the business really took off. And then I came on full time and we kept growing from there. So you, you came up with the concept and started a business based on a need or a void that you saw in the market, Correct. which is typically how most good successful businesses started. They solve a problem that someone, they solve a problem or 
create an opportunity that other people aren't seeing. Were and you're a lawyer. And your your ex, was he a barber? No, neither of us can cut hair. That's the funny part. I, I love it. a custom clothing designer. So that was, and in, in its inception, that was part of our business model was him making custom clothing. But the barbering end of it became so popular so fast, he kind of got pushed out. Okay. <laughs> and we didn't have any room for him anymore. And we just kept expanding, putting more barber chairs. So you're putting more chairs in to serve more clients coming come in. I love it. it it's funny because I used to tell the story all the time. I don't know how true it is, but somewhere along the lines, I heard that the national franchise Supercuts was started by a truck driver. Really? Yeah. I mean, I, I, I got to dive in and, and do some research on that story. But I, I love the fact that you saw you saw an opportunity and you created, you tried to fill that, fill that void. Walk me through the process of how do two people who have no understanding of how a barbershop works start not only one, but eventually ended up expanding to three and then selling one off. So walk, walk me through, like, what was that crazy moment that said, we know how to open a barbershop. Let's just do it. To us, it's not very crazy. We're, we're really ambitious. We are very decisive. I think those are great traits for an entrepreneur to have. And you have to be ready to just dive into something and learn as you go. What I learned as an attorney is great. I went to three years of law school, but where did I learn what to do? That was on the job. And so we kind of brought that same mentality to the barbershop. We're just going to figure it out. So we did a lot of research and we looked into stuff. We went around to different barbershops to see what we would have preferred them to do rather okay. than what they did and what we could add. And we did you as you were going to these other shops, did you inquire with them or were you kind of in spy mode? We um, well, Ed needed a haircut, you know, every week. So he would just try out different shops. I guess you'd call it spy mode. Okay. Sure. We didn't really ask anyone, how do you do this? Because we didn't think they were doing it right. So we wanted to just go in and see what we would have done differently and then go and do that. I love it. And now. So you get the first one open and let, let's focus on the growth because this is where I think a lot of people can learn from from your experience and your lesson. You get the four walls, you go in, you make a place that you think is appealing to your target audience. How much time and effort do you put? did you put into clearly understanding who your target audience is? We put a lot of effort into it. I mean, we, we opened the shop with the decor that we thought would look nice and attract the most amount of people. So we did a vintage barbershop theme. Okay. So we're talking in, in the 1920s now. Um, we don't collect information from our customers, which a lot of people find weird, but you know, we were $20 haircuts at the time. So we didn't have a huge infrastructure for that. We just went to direct marketing. That was, you know, our number one was we love to do branding. We love photography. And we just kind of took that and ran with it. We found a customer who was a photographer. He started following us around. We started setting up photo shoots and we did direct marketing ads like that, which no other barbershop was doing. Let, let's start. Let's and I'm going to try to dive into everything that sure. you bring up that I think is relevant and that I, I either I've experienced or I've heard about as well. Direct marketing, I think, is something of massive importance to every small business. Walk me through how you define direct marketing and what you do. So my definition, what I meant by direct marketing was that we create uh, content to put on flyers, which then the company we hired mails to each and every household in the areas that we choose. Okay. So we chose a certain radius around our shop, which 
contains several uh, towns with tons of people. And we do direct marketing ads to them on a monthly or bi-monthly basis, which is very expensive, but in the long run, the most cost effective because you get a lot of bang for your buck, a lot of people that maybe you otherwise wouldn't have reached. Okay. So you're you're literally advertising just based on geography, Correct. no other demographics, psychographics, anything else like that. For this marketing, yes. Okay. We go into more demographics when we're marketing on social media. Perfect. And I thank you for leading into that. So you talked about something else that I think is of extreme importance, almost more important than the marketing end of it is the branding end of it. We look at mission, vision, core values, who is our, our avatar for any business that we're in, who is, who is the ideal client, uh, and whether it be a real estate company or a media company or you know our, our community spotlight series or even the podcast, um, who is our target avatar? Who can we best serve? Um, and, and again, where is there the best opportunity to serve? so that we can be profitable because that's what all businesses are all about. Most people are afraid to admit it. I love the fact that while it's not the number one core value in any of my core value of, for any of my companies, it's assumed that everybody knows we're here to make a profit right at the top. Right. Without that top line number, there's nobody else getting paid and we're not achieving anything. So you mentioned branding. Walk me through, walk me, because this is going to lead into your latest venture. So let's kind of dabble along the way discuss Mad Men a little bit, and then move into that. Give me your concept behind what you did for your branding, uh, what inspired it, what direction you're going in. Sure. Well, we've had a few different directions throughout the years because as any good business owner will tell you, you need to be a chameleon and change with the times. You can't outdate yourself, right? And eventually someone, if you have a great idea, someone will copy you. Someone will try to replicate what you've worked so hard to create. But the thing is, they can't because you're the one whose concept it is and you're the one who grew the business. And if you're really on top of your game, you'll be able to pivot one, two, three. And that's what we've done through the years. And it's a it's a voice. You know, I I like to use the word voice all the time when we talk about the brand. Um, You know, when we started, we talked about is it possible to bring on virtual assistants to help do this and that writers. And and we looked at it and said, I've I've got a somewhat distinct voice the actual noise coming out of my mouth. Um, You know, I have my accent. This is the way I grew up. This is how I talk and who I am. But even beyond the sound, it's the mental state of voice that you're expressing when you, when you do your branding. And, and one of the things that I loved about the two of you was that the minute I started watching you, I knew without hearing the words, I kind of knew who you were. And that's not to say that I'm brilliant. It was, you did such a great job expressing that. Thank you. And I think I think that is a huge part of the brand of Mad Men. Even though neither of you touches a pair of scissors, <laughs> you are the voice of the company, and that's a huge part of branding. So please continue. Well, we started out. Uh, we started out. Listen, I uh, we opened the doors. I was pregnant one week out from having our first baby. So, so you're it, really the, crazy. The time, <laughs> yes, we are. The timing wasn't great as normally it's not in life. But we just went with it. And so at first, we were really struggling for funds, right? Because you have to start up, you have to build out, et cetera. So we had to do something low cost for our initial branding. So we just decided to catch everybody's eye with our windows and our window decals Mm -hmm. because we have a good presence from the street. And that was our initial branding. And then 
we created little postcards with pictures that we took in the shop with our professional camera and we walk them door to door just to get our name out there. So it's really evolved a lot since then, as you'll see now we create content with a professional videographer who we've had for a long time. And we just, now that we have an established brand, we really just try to have fun with it. But our marketing scheme from the get go was to just do something different. So not all of our advertisements are, here's a barber cutting hair. You know, we try to take things that are in the media, um, you know, Tommy Hilfiger is a big inspiration because he has some fun video um, advertisements and Ralph Lauren, stuff like that, that's high end and fun. Now, when you see that stuff, it's not necessarily about the clothing. It's about the atmosphere, the lifestyle. It's a lifestyle brand. And so right. we've branded our company to be a lifestyle brand. Smart move. Um, you know, most businesses look at it and say it's expensive to generate a lead to get you for get a customer. How much time and effort do you put into bringing those customers back? And what is it coming from? I spent some time in the restaurant industry, as everybody out here knows, because I talk about it way too often. Um, But tell me a little bit about that, that concept of John, John Taffer from Bar Rescue had a, a great concept called four walls marketing. And it's what you do to market when people are inside your door. What is it about your environment, your people that or what is it that you do to make people want to come back a second, a third, a fourth time? Well, we made the environment really welcoming and clean and um, updated. So we're con- first we had a vintage feel, right? Then we kind of moved it over to an urban street art theme. Now we're in like a 70s boxing kind of theme. Okay. And then we moved to a sanitary theme, which just happened to occur right before so, COVID. So that wasn't as a result? That of, was not a COVID. result. That was right before. So right around November, we tried to update it. And um, what happened was one of our, we've had a lot of copycats through the years. And one of them called the health department on us, which is fine with me because my place is clean it's been like that from the start. We're one of the only shops that follows all the protocol we're supposed to. And so the health inspector came, looked at everything, gave us a sheet of paper, said no violations. Perfect. And a concept was born. We were like, no violations. We should market that because how great is that? So we started changing everything to a doctor's office theme, sanitary crosses everywhere. Um, you know, all the hand sanitizer and the, the bathroom looks like a doctor's office with the old scale from the 50s. Okay. And we just started marketing that. And we used um, inspiration from Orbitz, where the woman has a British accent and she's like, is dirty mouth? Clean it up, right? I so it. I put on my fake British accent and my fake wig and we started <laughs> doing that marketing and people were going crazy for it. It just so happened then, then in March, COVID struck and now our theme is a perfect fit. But it's something that we've always been proud of is that We have a clean environment. Moms love us. They love to bring their kids there because they're running around. They can't sit still. They're safe. Everything's, you know, clean and it's nice. And you're not in some dingy, beat up barbershop. So this isn't just an old school because you you hear the name and their perception becomes reality for people. Let's jump into that. Where'd the name come from? Well, we love the show Mad Men, right? So that was part of it. But we also thought we're on the South Shore It's a lot of Italian folks over here, including us. And my dad loves the mob. So we thought Mad Men has a double entendre, right? Like Mad Men was a popular show at the time, but also crazy, Mm -hmm. right? So we started putting like old school mob um, pictures from, we found this like Australian photography series where it was 
in the 1920s and 30s mugshots of okay. mobsters. Yep. And so we went with that theme. So it was kind of mad, like crazy. And then the marketing we were doing was crazy. So we thought it all tied in, but it was like an elegant crazy, if you will. Do either of you have, and I, I, I know you said there was some fashion design mixed in and the, the law. Do either of you have any formal education on marketing, advertising, branding? Neither of us do. This is all intuitive, that things that we felt we should do based on our business knowledge and you know, through the years. And we've just kept learning as we go. And now I think we have branding, you know, to a science. We're really good at it. We've become great at it. We love decor. It just kind of fits our personalities naturally. Yeah, I, I, you could you could definitely see that. And if if you follow either of you or or, or the the business itself, you can see, you can not only see the level of um, care that you put into what you do, but also, and, and please don't take this the wrong way, there's a simplicity to it that's very attracting. And I think that's what originally connected me with you is I was, I looked at it, you know, I moved down here four years ago from central Nassau to the South shore. And I was looking for a barbershop and I still had hair at the time. And mm -hmm. I would, I was still driving 40, 40 to 45 minutes back to Lake success where the same guy's been cutting my hair for 35 plus years. And we actually had that conversation. Uh, and we both looked at each other and we said, one of us is getting really old and neither one of us wanted to admit it. And he probably tapped my head and said, you're the one losing your hair. Uh, and again, he's old school, right? You know, Italian immigrant, the whole thing, nicest guy in the world. And I've grown up with him, you know, Dominic and I are friends. Um, and then I moved down here and I'm like, I, I just don't want to make that drive. And it's an hour and a half plus the time that I'm in the chair. There's a lot of things I could do. I mean, it's great. Listen, I can listen to a book. I can do phone calls. I can get a lot of work done in that time, but I'd rather not work for my car if I don't have to. So I bounced around and went to a couple different places. Um, and I noticed there was a trend. There was a lot of new shops popping up, popping up. And I, I literally went on Instagram, just typed in barbershops and did a, did a map search and looked around. I'm like, there's got to be six or seven that have all opened up here within the last two or three years. What stemmed that, that run on, hey, let's open a barbershop? I think men just became um, very into looking good and taking more care of themselves. And self-care became a more popular agenda for a lot of people. And we were one of the first or the first in this area to open up a shop like this. And so naturally, after a few years, people see your success and they just want to replicate it. But you can't replicate success, even if you can replicate a similar look right. in your shop. That doesn't make the business successful. And I think that's what people forget. I, I couldn't agree with you more. So you opened the first shop here in Wantaw back in 2012. Right. So here we are eight years later, businesses growing, evolving, you guys yeah. are doing well? Yeah, I mean, COVID, you know, we took a hit with COVID as everyone as else everyone did. did. But without that, yeah, it's been growing. Now that that's hopefully starting to wind down, business can happen, maybe not at the same rate or at the same level of, of consistency that we would love to have as small business owners. Uh, but you see yourself continuing forward with this. Absolutely. Okay. Absolutely. So 2012, you open a Wantaw. Three years later, you get this bright idea to open a second one. And you go up closer to the North Shore, north of Central Nassau, Williston Park. I think it was Park. five years, no? Uh, well, you, you opened the first Three one in years. 2012. No, you're right. I'm sorry. I'm, I'm, I think we're working the math backwards. Yeah, but right. It was five years ago. Wow. So, so here you go. You're three years in. What makes you want to open up a second one? 
Well, we had a great business going in Wontaw. The location, as many flagship locations are, was not perfect. Okay. So then you want to find the perfect location to fit your brand. So the second location, we wanted to be bigger, more elegant higher ceilings, you know, we were kind of looking to just grow. And we had a lot of people coming from the North Shore to our South Shore location. So we thought, why not move north? And we wanted to keep growing anyway. So that's what we did. We started looking, we had a lot of different ideas on where to open, but ultimately, it's the spot that is the the most important to us. The spot being the physical space or the spot being the location of that space? Both. Both. Yeah. But what I meant was the, the location from the outside was something that was really important to us because we have much success from our window decals being an important part of our advertising. People drive by and that was something important to us. So we wanted a corner location with a lot of windows and we just kind of started looking and looking until we found the exact spot. It took about eight to 12 months before we found the right spot. And you literally built out this spot from inside gut renovation, the whole thing. We had to gut it because it was a um, real estate agency before. So it was all cubicles. One less real estate agency on Long Island. (laughs) (laughs) You're welcome. I'm I'm okay with that. (laughs) So we had a gut, we had to do a demo and then a build out. Yeah. And we made that location very sophisticated. It hasn't changed um, in decor since we got in, you know, we are about to do a little bit of a renovation there, but it's maintained its vintage feel from inception. What lessons did you learn from the first place that you put into place in the second one that have become successful for you? Well, let me think about that one. I I feel like the second location was interesting because it's a totally different demographic of people. And knowing that we made it a more elegant feel, we had the same hours at first and we learned that we needed to pivot and change the hours, even though it's a little complicated to have two locations with the same name, have different hours. We're just trying to um, deal with what the clientele needed over there. Um, We wanted more space because we realized how our growth at at the first location it was so massive and so fast and we couldn't really give the clients the kind of feel we wanted to like that luxurious feel because we were trying to help with the flow. So we learned that lesson and we, we grew and we put the chairs further apart and we made sure we had enough room to expand if we needed to. So that was an important component of it. Which is, which is interesting to hear because when you think about a business like, like yours, you're kind of looking to say, what are you earning per square foot within the place? Um, and to hear that you're spreading them out and not squeezing more in, like, listen, you look at the airlines as the perfect example. As we've gotten older, we haven't just gotten bigger. The seats have gotten smaller. Yes. That's a, that's a proven fact. Correct. <laughs> so, you know, when, when I look, when I look at this and, and again, like I go back to a business like, like the hospitality industry, what, do, what's our revenue per square foot on a daily basis? And you, know, you run a bar, you want them three deep at a bar. When you run in a barbershop, you probably don't want them three or four deep out the front door because they're going to turn and walk away. Yeah. Because you got that wait time. So it, it's interesting to hear you say that you're spreading out more, which means you're, in order to maintain that level of profit, you've got to really understand all your numbers somewhere else and how to get people, when you have people in the waiting room, kind of in the waiting area, really get them through. Yeah. So I would tend to think a lot of that has to do with the people that you have on board kind of buying into your philosophy and your process. 
Sure. I mean, I think customers are, you mean the customers or the Well, the customers, the, the customers and the barbers. Yeah. I mean, the barbers know that we're, we're a luxury brand, so they need to take their time with people. They need to give someone an experience. It's not just about the haircut, although the haircut has to be great too, right. but it's about the overall experience. And I think that in the second shop, we wanted to really have a more luxurious feel because we, as we expanded at the first shop and didn't have enough room, it, it just didn't, it wasn't the exact feel that we wanted anymore. You know, we had to kind of pivot. Right and uh, make them feel special in other ways because the room was getting very tight. Okay. So now with the second, yeah, I mean, the customers over there especially appreciate it. The waiting room is more expansive. There's more room to move around. The pool, we had a pool table in Wanta that we had to remove because we had so many customers. Didn't have enough. We didn't have enough space anymore. So now we have that in Williston Park so people can play pool while they wait. And okay. it's nice. It's a nice feel over yeah. there. It, it's it's an experience. It, it is. You know, it, it, it sounds to me the more and more I listen to you, and like I said, I, I've watched the evolution of of the brand over the last couple of years. Not that since I, I got introduced to it, but it's definitely more of an ex, it's it's as much an experience as it is anything else. Absolutely, and, and I, I, I I love to hear that. All right, so Williston Park is now successful, Wanta successful, and here we go again. Time to expand. <laughs> Where was shop number three? Shop number three was in an unexpected location, the Dominican Republic. That was 2017 we opened that one. How does that happen? It's a unique story. Um, through the years, we've hired a lot of barbers from a lot of backgrounds, but somehow we've come, keep coming back to the Dominican barbers. They have a great work ethic, um, and they, they know a lot of people. So eventually our shop became all Dominican barbers and they were saying to us, you know, you should come down and visit our country. It's beautiful. It's beautiful. So we went for business to, to look and see okay. what kind of opportunities there were there. And there is a mall in Santiago, which is for locals. It's not a touristy spot. It's not right. Punta Cana. Um, and we just set, saw a business opportunity there and thought we could open a great shop here. So we, we did. And Ed moved down there and opened it up and styled it, you know, with our style. And I helped from here. And we got that shop up and running in the DR, which was a really unique experience because their direct marketing does not work because their mail system is not very trustworthy. So they advertise mostly through the radio, which is antiquated here, I would yep. I would say, and billboards. So now we've been on billboards, which is really an interesting part of our business. Okay. <laughs> yeah, I could see how that would throw you for a loop. And, I, and I'm, I'm glad you said that. So you you learn the local, the, the, the local ways and what happens. Like you said, you're not a tourist brand, you're a local, you're, you're based there for the locals. You, you've thrown a few words out. And this is what slipped my mind a couple of minutes ago when we took the break that nobody else will hear about when we actually produce this. You talk about tools and systems and checks and balances. Let's go through as somebody who owns and will will full disclosure that the business in the Dominican Republic, you said you, you guys did sell off. You got somebody. To, we did. Yeah. yeah. Was that, was that by choice or by chance? Um, a little bit of both. It was okay. getting a little hard to manage, you know, from gotcha. afar and these two shops were our, we wanted to expand here and we thought it's just better for us to concentrate on the U.S. At the same time, the mall that we were in was um, 
a competitor mall was coming into the area and looking to pick off some of the big shops yeah, inside yeah. the mall and offered us something we couldn't refuse. And so we told them that we would sell them the rights to open more if they wanted to down there also. So it's, it's, I, I love the book, the E-Myth by Michael Gerber. Um, and he talks about in the book, whether you do or you don't, every business is built to sell and it's, it's not your baby. It's a business. Um, it could be the thing you've been working on forever, but you never become emotionally attached to it in the sense that there's a dependency. Right. And, and I, the fact that you were able to say, hey, we built a third one, it worked, and someone came along to buy it, that gives us more opportunity to go do more of what we want to do right here in our own backyard. And you guys are both very much involved in your communities. And, and I, I'm i sure I, I see what you do down here on, on the South Shore in Wantha. I can only imagine that you're doing similar, if not more, up in Williston Park as well. And that's a very honorable and admirable thing. But, Thank you. Let's jump, let's jump back a little bit because this is where I think a lot of people fail to do, to plan. You talk about tools, systems, checks, and balances. What systems have you built? What checks and balances have you built for the two barbershops so that you guys can run them without necessarily having to be there to micromanage them? We've tried a lot of things. I'm going to, I'm going to tell you that we had, um, it's a bunch of trial and error. You know, what works for me may not work for someone exactly. else and vice versa. And, that, and that's why I like to ask these questions because I want people to realize there's not a very black and white, like you want to open a real estate company, you have to do this. No, you have to follow the law in any business that you open. You've got to follow the protocols. Like you mentioned, you've got your, your health and safety standards that are governed not by choice, but by the business we choose to be in. So I, I love to, when people get to hear multiple ideas on, this is how we did it. It's, it's like when I used to speak, I used to tell people all the time, I was brought up here to share my experiences and my opinion. So you don't have the right to tell me that what I did was wrong. It was right or wrong for me. I'm just here telling a story. You know, you, you don't get to open up war and peace and say, well, you know, this name should have been spelt like that. And this, it's for people to learn and we have to adapt. And, and that's why I love to do this. So I'm going to shut up now and let you go. <laughs> well, I think you bring up a good point. And one thing I think that is key if you're an entrepreneur is to be able to adapt and evolve. And that's something that we've done not only from a branding perspective, but on a personal level. When we first opened, Ed was there. I was still working full time as a lawyer and we had a baby. Um, and Ed was at the shop every single day, making sure that everything was running perfectly because you have to do that at first. You know, you have to be there and you have to look at what is going on and you have to watch what's happening, figure out yeah. what to do to make it better, mm -hmm. what's working, what's not. So that is what we did at first, but then it started to grow and grow and it became a little, um, a little too many people in there, right? So for Ed to be there while the barbers are trying to do their job, while all these people are waiting. So then we tried to hire a front-end person. So Ed was in the way. He was getting in the way. Yes, exactly. I, I, I only put it that way because I can relate. But also not just getting in the way, but you have to, when you're, when you're an owner, you have to really think about whether your presence is a is helping or hurting. And I think at that point when we were so busy, his presence was hurting and he felt like he wasn't really bringing anything to the table. He was getting in the way. Right. So we had a pivot. Okay. Were you going to say something? Uh, I was, did the staff have trust issues because of the fact that he was there? 
No. Okay. No, actually. Just, um, just curious because I've, I've heard that from certain people. You know, an, a unique thing about us is that we're not barbers. Normally in a barber shop, the owner cuts. Yes. So there is a level of competitiveness between staff and uh, the staff and the owner. But that's not true for us. So they actually like when we're there because we help. You know, we don't just sit there and do nothing. We're ringing people up. We're talking to customers, Not keeping them to happy. Not take out a broom and sweep the floor. Sweeping the yep. floor, whatever. Like my daughter think that, thinks that's what lawyers do. She's like, mommy's a lawyer. <laughs> she sweeps the floor at Mad Men. I love it. You know, because we're very hands-on, and the staff appreciates that. So... Um, so then we tried to hire a front end person to take care of the customers, but it got, it got complicated with the waiting system and the front end person. Then we tried to make one of the barbers, a manager at each location. And some people were going down on power trips Mm -hmm. and, you know, then we, if we weren't there, they were taking on the role of owner when that wasn't really their role. And then we kind of came back to us managing the shop and, you know, we have staff at each shop that talks to us more frequently than others. And they just keep us in the loop if we're not there. Okay. And that works for us. You know? There's trust. Yeah. That's, that's a good thing. But we, it's evolved over the years, you know, because at first we couldn't get the kind of staff we really wanted because we were nobody. You knew exactly where I was going with my next question. <laughs> keep rolling. Well, now, now that we've built a name and a company for ourselves, we get our choice of who works for us, which is a beautiful thing. And it really puts the level of, um, expertise of the people that you're hiring at a very, very all-time high. So when you come in and we bring you on, you know we're very serious. We're not. We run like a corporation. That's how I run it, things. Which is what it is. It is, but they're not used to that. Right. You know, they're coming from little shops that you know aren't really structured the way that we are. So it's been an uphill battle in that respect. But now I think we because we're so big and we have brand recognition. When someone comes looking for a job, they already know what to expect from us, and that helps the process along. So they're not coming to solve your problem; they're asking to get. They're looking for permission to come on board. To yes, exactly. Ship, and which which is a wonderful, and, and that's not an ego driven thing. That's that's a pride thing. I'm um, very proud of that. Yeah, sure. and 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 you should be. I think that that's a wonderful opportunity. Like you know, in the restaurant world, you wanted the best of the best because you knew they weren't necessarily the absolute best cook in the world or best chef in the world or best bartender, but they knew how to put the package together to make it a wonderful experience and create massive consistency. And I think that's what most businesses need. Same, same in my real estate industry, no two agents do the same thing, but when we do what we do well and we can share those stories, people come to us and it's like, it's, it's nice when we have the problem to say, no, we've reached capacity. We can't take on more business until we get more people. And it's, it's one of the most exciting but stressful things about the recruiting process I'm going through to build a real estate agency. Like we're talking about a little bit before we got on the air. You know, I'm not looking to replicate the brokerage business that's existed for 200 years because it's been broken for so long. You know, there's two reasons why it's called brokerage. Most people who are brokers are broke and the system itself is broke. And I truly believe that. I love the fact that we're looking to build an agency. And I, I think that's without even realizing it, that's a really good segue. So now here you are, you've got your, your, the barbershop business. And a couple weeks ago, out of nowhere, I'm scrolling through Instagram and I see this post from you, IGTV, I think, cause it spilled over and you were talking about your next venture. Yes. Shoot. Let's let, <laughs> let's spend, Corey, what are we looking at as far as time so far? Okay, perfect. So we get, so let's, let's dive into this. 
tell me about this latest venture, what you're looking to accomplish, who you're looking to help, and what the hell, what the hell made you so crazy to want to do this? And then another interesting question, and please don't take it the wrong way, but I'd love to ask the question, what gives you the right to do this in the first place? Yeah, that is a good question. Well, I'll start with your first question and I'll yeah. get to that one. I'm, I'm, I'm going to put my feet up and relax <laughs> and listen now. <laughs> so as you probably know, but I'll just recap for anyone who doesn't. Um, well, small business is really important to me. I'm a small business owner. I have been now for eight years. It's very close to my heart. I understand the struggles it takes and the amount of ambition and dedication it takes to really make something successful. And it's you know, a lot of long hours, a lot of late nights, a lot of not doing the fun things that you're used to because you're working. So you sacrifice a lot. And during COVID, we had a unique opportunity to procure surgical masks from a manufacturer that we work with at a time where New York State did not have an abundance of surgical masks to give out to the public. So we we were being shut down for COVID uh, reasons and quarantine. And we thought, let's, even though we have no job, let's put our money into getting these masks and giving back to the community that helped us grow our business. So we did. So we got 100,000 masks and we started giving them out around the community to various organizations and people in need. And through that, we came across a lot of small business owners who have gone through the same struggles from inception and growing a business and then maybe business going down and coming back up and the ebb and flow. And they are just devastated that after all of their hard work and sacrifice that they're now don't know what will happen after COVID. Maybe they'll reopen, maybe they won't. And I spoke with a lot of people who had jobs in different industries, not their own businesses, but were working for someone who were unsure of what the fate of their job was going to be. And they were like, well, I always had this idea of doing this or doing that, but I don't know anything about business. And I have been ruminating on this for a couple of months. And I finally just said to myself, I'm going to throw out on Instagram a message to people who maybe have been sitting on an idea for a couple of years, but thought, ah, I have this job. I'm pretty safe. Let me just keep it. And now are in, are on the brink of losing their job or life getting in the way and changes during COVID. And maybe they just need some help to push themselves. Take that first step. Yeah. Cause it's not, not everybody is um, a go-getter or a risk taker. I happen to be, but I thought maybe I could, and, and now back to your question, like what gives me the right? There's no right for me to do this. I just feel like I really could help people. I do. <laughs> I've done it. Maybe something I say or something I've gone through can help someone else get through um, a tough time or bring their concept to fruition. And I could help set them up and I have, you know, have a business, um, have a couple of businesses. I know how to navigate the paperwork, how to create a website, how to create content for social media. And these are things that not everybody knows. So um, I think I could help people do this and and consult with them and decide what, what their needs might be and how, if I have the expertise in the area that they need. I think it's a good concept because people are now struggling to figure out what their next step is. It's a good time to reinvent yourself. Couldn't agree with you more. When, when this whole, when this whole mess started back in March, well, even, even late February before it came officially became a mess. Um, And and it was a fantastic answer. And, And again, I didn't ask the question to be demeaning. It's because I wanted you because 
What gives me the right to sit behind a microphone and talk about opportunity? I've experienced mine. That's what gives me the right. If I get one person to listen, I win. If nobody listens, that was a good way to kill an hour a day, a couple times, <laughs> a couple times a week. But it's a great, it's a great lesson for me. And it goes back to what I tell, tell people all the time. I love when I'm asked to teach, not because I have an ego, but because you put me in front of a room of two people, I guarantee you I'll learn 10 times more while I'm teaching than they will combined. It's just, it, it works for me because I love to do it. So, you know, what, what gives us the right is the fact that we've experienced it, we enjoy it, and, and, and I think very much like I like to see myself, you're a giver. Um, and you're always looking for ways to help other people raise themselves up. And, and I'll steal a line because I seem to steal one from Gary Vaynerchuk every episode, but I'll, I'll steal the line that says, you're that kind of person who's looking to build, have the biggest building in town because you're looking to build it, not because you're looking to tear other people down. Right. What good is having the biggest building in town if we can't fill it? And there, there's a leadership quality in, in you that I, that I see that I really hope more and more people uh, take advantage of because of the fact that you are a giver. And, and I don't mean that I want people to take advantage of you, but take advantage of the opportunity to speak with you um, on, on this new venture. And I'm, I'm glad that we're here to help kind of promote it, uh, whether, whether you wanted us to or not. We're kind of going to promote it for you a little Thank bit. Thank you. I appreciate that. We, we think it's something that we have in common. And it's like my wife was joking with me over the weekend. And I said, you know, we've been here in, in town for a couple of years. I've been in this office for a year and a half. I never took the time to join the Chamber of Commerce because of the fact that I've been so ingrained in the operations of the business, but part of the business, some of the businesses we run is involved with having to know the community. And we're going out and we're shooting videos and shows for local businesses. Um, but we're not, we're not putting, we're not taking advantage of the easiest opportunities to meet all these people under one roof. We're going door to door. Well, if everybody's going to get together once a month and we can meet five of them, once a month, it's easier than meeting one new one every week. Of course. It's, come on, use a little common of sense. Course. And people say, oh, it's, it's such a stupid, simple idea. What's wrong with you? <laughs> when you get into being an entrepreneur, sometimes the most blatantly abused or missed things are the simplest. Of course. And, and I, it, it's, it's why I really love this and why, why I love the fact that you were willing to answer the question, even if I did phrase it a little bit improperly, I didn't mean to. Nothing so, stops me. <laughs> I, and and, and I, I kind of sensed that, which is why I didn't feel too bad in how, in how I asked it. Um, so, again, let's go back to what we started when we talked about Mad Men. Who is, aside from small business owner or aspiring entrepreneur or, as I like to say all too often, batshit crazy people who think they can do anything, which is what most entrepreneurs are, who, who, who do you feel is the best person for you to work with? If you could pick and choose the entrepreneurs that you could work with and had a niche and said, I can own this niche and build a huge, however big you define it, what is that, what is that target person? And I, and I want to ask the question to distance people who aren't in that bubble. But I'm just curious what you're at the heart of it right now in the moment. Who's ideal for you? It's funny that you just made that caveat because I was thinking I want to help anyone who needs help, right? And and that's still true. I think a, a niche that I would be most connected to would be people who are starting a business out of a necessity or a second career, because that's kind of what happened with me, right? Like I'm a lawyer, but now I'm a business owner. And I started this because I saw a need and I 
you know, and now I'm on my second career, essentially. And I think I connect with those kinds of people who are like, you know, I was doing this thing I always thought I would love. And now life's changed. Circumstances have changed. Why don't I pivot? That's my kind of person, right? I can connect with that kind of person. But that being said, I'm working with a few people who are just starting out and who don't want to work for someone else and just want to go straight into owning their own business. And, you know, they have a different set of needs. So, and a different set of knowledge. So I think um, I'm open to working with anyone who needs it, but my niche, I guess I would connect most with would be the people who are moving on to something totally out of, their realm of normal knowledge evolution or completely recreating themselves either okay either yeah and again it's just out of curiosity it's not to say either is right or wrong um i I think just not asking the question is what's wrong i and i believe these people will teach me too you know when i don't know everything but i'll give you my knowledge and i'm going to learn something from you too we went through we went i went through a, a long painful exercise working on company mission visions and core values and i touched on it earlier and I had a long list and it was all things that were important and resonated to me. And I looked at it and said, but that's my core values. I looked at the company and we, we really narrowed it down to three things and maybe a fourth, which I think is part. And we looked at it and said, hungry, humble, and smart. If you can embody each of those three things, you can win yeah. in our world. I agree with you. And it, it works for us. Now, open-minded is something that is almost mandated from everybody who I work for or with. Um, I've never had luck. You know, I, I've been, I tell people all the time, I'm blessed and cursed at the same time. I've had a jackass for a boss for the last 23 years. He's the guy that looks at me every morning when I'm brushing my teeth. Um, you know, being self-employed, you've got to be a little batshit crazy. Um, but I've always looked at every employer that I had before that. And I've had many jobs. The ones that I got along best with and did the best work for were the ones who were open-minded. It wasn't because I was looking to tell them what to do, but because I've always embraced open-minded from me. And if you give me a boss or an employer or a manager who's open-minded as well, they're the perfect people to work for and with. And, and I pride myself in the fact that I focus on that every single day. It's, it's one of the few things in my head I'm, I say to myself, be open-minded to whatever comes out of that person's mouth or what they're thinking or how they act. It could mean so much more than what you're seeing or hearing. Absolutely. Um, and I had a great coach years ago, and he said to me, uh, we used to talk as a real estate agent, the number one way to generate leads way back in the dinosaur days for me was cold calling. And they said, you can't take offense when somebody on the other end of the phone rips you a new one. They said, how do you know they didn't just get diagnosed with cancer or they kicked, someone kicked their cat or, or you know, what else could it mean? And I, when I heard that line, what else could it mean? It really triggered that open-minded gene in my head. And I think about it with everything now. Um, so that's my, that's my rant. I'll give the mic back to you. Uh, but I, I think that's it. I, I think you, you, when you deal with entrepreneurs, when you deal with independent business people, uh, people who aspire to something different, understanding your why is important and it's, it's overused, but Simon Sinek was brilliant in writing that book, I believe. Um, but being open-minded to everything and anything. And, and yeah. I'd love where you're going with this. So what is it? Close your eyes. Think about it a year from now, everything worked out great. What is it you're doing to help these people, these, these new aspiring business owners, entrepreneurs, crazy leaders of tomorrow to, to do and achieve? I think it will be different for every individual that I work with, but 
what I hope I could bring to the table for them, what I know I can bring to the table and hope to achieve is, you know, there are some people and some of my barbers have come to me saying, you know, I'm, I'm a barber, but this is not what I want to do. I want to do X, Y, Z. And I say, great, let me help you. Here's how we navigate the New York State uh, Corporation's website. Here's how you incorporate. Here's how you start a bank account. And that's what they need, right? Some people need website development. Some people need to understand how to grow their following on social media. And some people need more legal work. How do you create a contract or how, how do you negotiate a lease? Or what do people expect from your lease? And what is normal in a lease? What isn't? I have all of that knowledge from my own business. Your you own know, experience. My own experience with all three or four companies that I own now. Um, and I really feel I can help at every stage of the game because I've been through every stage of the game more than one time. Yeah, I and love so it. so I hope to achieve people uh, <laughs> with people to just help them start up and get their act moving forward in the way that they want in an efficient way and help them navigate the things that they don't understand. Realizing that any progress is good progress. Yeah. Even, even if you're mistakenly progressing in the wrong direction, you're yeah. learning. You're going to learn a hundred percent. And I, and I love that. So like, I always look and say, sometimes when you become an entrepreneur, it's life in a blender, mm -hmm. you know, but at the end of the day, all the ingredients that are in there just have taken a different form. And if you're smart, you can put them into yet another different form. Yeah. You got to be creative and flexible. You can't be afraid to fail because we're all going to fail. And even if it's in a small way and you're going to realize down the road, well, wow, if that didn't happen, then this other amazing thing wouldn't have happened. Yep. Failure creates the greatest opportunities for everything, in my opinion. Me too. You know, and, and I'm, I'm a big believer in find the positive in everything and learn the lessons because if you don't, the lessons you can learn in a matter of days or weeks trying to create a business and working with people who accepting the guidance and advice of people who have been there before is better than any paid education most people can get. Oh, yeah. um, and and I, I'm saying this to somebody who's gone through college, gone through grad school, got a law, got a law degree, sitting next to a guy who's got zero credits to his name when it comes to college. The lessons you, the lessons you learn are invaluable, and it's why I'd love to speak with people who are more professionally edu more. What's formally for thank you formally educated see it's a lack of education <laughs> <laughs> but it, when you have an open mind person who says yes you, i sit here with you someone who spent thousands and thousands of dollars and countless years doing this and we're on the same page you're no better than me and vice versa and Correct. we're benefiting from each other based on our experiences whether they were paid for in blood sweat and tears or dollars and cents doesn't make a difference as long as you benefit from them i agree so i want to i want to start to wrap up a little bit because i want to respect your time there's a couple things more things that i heard that triggered um one of the concepts i don't know if it was a concept or if it was just a choice of words but you said there was a lot of networking that goes on with people when you're helping people put together these businesses. But I also heard you kind of mention something along the lines of whether you realize that or not networking your systems and methods together as well. And, and kind of, it, it sounded to me almost like an infrastructure conversation, uh, whether, whether you knew it or not, that's how I interpreted it. So if I hear it that way, maybe there's another crazy person out there who heard it the same way. So let's talk about that. How important it, it goes back to the tools and systems and checks and balances we talked about earlier. As someone's going through this process, what are the things you recommend that they do in order to continue to progress the growth of their business or their thought or idea in a positive direction? 
Well, you have to get organized. And I think sometimes I think the first step is really the most difficult one because you're all over the place. You have this idea. You don't know what to do and you're, you don't even know what the first step is. So I want everyone to take the first step in just writing exactly down, writing down exactly what you want. And going and getting the name of your business. That's like a good first step, right? Name your business and go incorporate it. Mm -hmm. That's a huge weight that yep. is then lifted off of you. And it's a huge victory. It is. Because now you can visual, start to visualize. You can start to visualize. You could get a website from there. You could get a bank account. And there you have it. You're on your way, right? You're starting. It's amazing, right? That those, those little, those simple little things that don't require, they require a little bit of time. and not too much thought. I mean, no. naming your business is something that I think needs to be a little bit scientific. But even in to take it a different for different direction, naming the corporation and understanding that if you're starting a business, you need to start some kind of corporation. Right. Do you start an LLC, LLP, C or S corp? Understanding that that could be intimidating. It can. But I, I think that's something where you bring huge value as well. Absolutely. Um, and, and any aspiring entrepreneur should should look into that. But even just naming a corporation before you come up with the actual DBA to say what's the actual right. quote unquote name of our business. And that's something that a lot of people ask me about, yeah. including my barbers. Like, how do you do that? What's an S Corp? What's a C Corp? What's an LLC? What are the differences? And I have now I have actual knowledge from my companies, but I also have my legal background right. to help me explain help me explain the tax implications to them. Yep. And it's a complicated thing. It is intimidating. It is. But that's the first step, and it's an important one because then you'll feel like you know a little bit more about what you're doing. You have some direction. It's very rewarding when, when that process is done. And, like, I, and I think the pecking order is right. Create the corporation. Understand what the legal structure of the corporation has to be. Understand that creating your doing business name, doing business as name is important because that's going to lead to your website and your branding and everything else. But you can have quicker and easier victories by saying corporation, type, set it up, get your paperwork, have your lawyer, your accountant do everything, open up your bank account and put a dollar in that account yep. and say, wow, I just started something. And I think those little tiny motions are better because you have a sense of accomplishment. You're yep. like, check, I did that. Yep. Okay, I did it. That's it. You get a little confidence and that's going to just snowball. Yeah. I, I couldn't I couldn't agree with you more. Little victories are the way to go. Uh, and, and as you build and evolve, understanding that those little victories just you don't necessarily need more of them. You need them to grow. Uh, at least that's how, that's how I, that's how I visualize it. What is it as we start to wrap up, what is it that could be of benefit to you, whether it be a person, a thing, a process that maybe getting exposed on our show could be a huge win for you. Who's listening, who could help you? Is it someone who can help you grow the business? Is it a potential client for you? Is it people who just want to sit down and mind dump ideas to say, how do we take this? How do we define what it is we're doing? Because you are back in that infancy stage of the business again. I am. It, it, which, which is what I, I, I love about this. And I'm, I'm watching the evolution as we have the conversation. What is it that's, that's needed most for you to start today to take whatever that next step is? So what I would like to get out of this is obviously uh, some people who need my services. I would love to help them. And I think that as I grow this business, I would like to network with other entrepreneurs from different industries who have had different experiences that I can use to um, let people, the, the clients that I have, know that there's more than one way to do something. So 
it's great to hear my perspective, right? But to have other people who I can bring in here and there to offer a different perspective, I think would be beneficial to everyone. Because not all of the people who come to me for help are going to have the exact same experience that I did, right? Exactly. And I can help them and I can, you know, do the consultation and help them get on their feet and grow. And as we go along, they might have some experiences that are more akin to a, a different business or a different person. And I think it's great to have a lot of minds in the room to help these people with all the new, unique situations right. that will arise. Options, options that exist and which ones apply most to how you want to define your own processes. Yeah. I think is a great way to look at it. Jessica, I want to thank you so much for coming in and doing this. I look forward to doing additional collaborations with you because I think there's great value you can bring to my audience. And I would hope that there's something I can bring to your audience to repay the favor. I would but love that. I think there's a wonderful world of opportunities out there. Um, and, and this may not have been the smoothest flowing interview I've done, and that's all on me. It's only because my wheels are spinning a thousand miles an hour right now because um, I see so many opportunities for you. And, I, and, and like I said, by, by doing this, I'm learning so much more. There, there's little things that are triggering in my head, which is why you see me scribbling in my notebook the entire time we're speaking here. I want people to reach out and connect and follow your journey because I think one of the things you do in all your businesses really well is to steal the second and final line from Gary V today is that you document your journey. Yes. But you also talked about documenting your processes and your systems and all the other things that go along with it. And if there's one thing I, I hope people take out of this is understand that documenting your process, your journey, your story is really one of the easiest ways to create massive growth opportunities for yourself. It's how we met. You get silly in front of a camera. I've been silly in front of a camera. All of a sudden, here we are, two complete strangers who feel like we know each other, meeting for the first time after three or four years and hoping to bring additional value not only to each other but to the people who we surround ourselves with. So, Yeah, thank you so much for having me and inviting me on. And everyone, please reach out to me if you'd like to um, Easiest like places, Easiest places for people to find you. Okay, so Instagram, I'm at Jessica underscore Dennehy underscore, or you can email me, Jessica Dennehy at Gmail. There you go. She's the She is the co-owner of Madman Barbershops. She is the founder of, I think, still to be determined the name of the next company, <laughs> but watch this evolution. She's a, a brilliant woman, a great personality, uh, a fun person to pay attention to, and, and connect with her, engage with her. If you can't find her, you know how to find me, obviously. Um, we're, we're more than happy to link her up in our show notes and on the website, everywhere else. Jessica, thank you so much for coming in and doing this again. Thank I can't you. thank you enough. It has been fantastic. Ladies and gentlemen, once again, thank you so much for tuning in to yet another episode of Opportunity Knox. Go make it a fantastic day. Thank you. <laughs>